0: Welcome to the 2018 Video Game Awards, hosted by Cody Goff and Jonathan Martin, hosts of Game Life Balance US. On this episode, we'll award video games with blonde Jonah Hill, Jeff Keighley, Uh, Assassin's Creed, and and a horse. A horse. Welcome to Game Life Balance US, a lifestyle podcast about how to be a grown-up gamer and still go to work and get sleep. Your hosts, Cody Goff, and Jonathan Martin. You're going to be my meat in my Jonathan sandwich. Check out our website at gamelifebalance.us, where you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, YouTube, and more. Hi, I'm Zuby from Magic with Zuby, a proud member of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual host. Check out all other podcasts at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2,
1: I just want to apologize ahead of time. Uh, I'm battling illness. I mean, it's, it's like it's that time of year, you know, as you know, from listening to our last episode, we just had our second kid. And um,
0: John and his wife, not me and John, not John and me.
1: Well, we, I mean, we could have too. Yes, but it's it's 2018. It's 2018.
0: I know. That's why I'm specifying.
1: Yeah. So one of the things that kind of gets, gets told to you in passing is like, you're going to get sick a lot when you have a kid. And when we had our first kiddo, that totally did happen a lot. But ever since I got through all of the plagues of the first like two years of his life, I basically haven't gotten sick since, I think because my body just you know, is immune to basically every bacteria and virus that has ever existed mm-hmm. because they all passed through him at one point. Um, but for whatever reason, I got sick. Uh, the entire household was sick last week, and then it was my turn. So it's just been, it's been, a, this week has been a struggle, a rough struggle. I even like, I even went to the doctor and got an antibiotic style struggle. So I apologize if I'm a little, a little congested. Uh, it's... Yeah, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of sinus pressure. I got that sinus thing going on.
0: Well, don't feel any pressure to sound good because most people skip the parts where you talk anyway.
1: That seems like it'd make for a really awkward podcast.
0: Yeah, and yet, here we are at the 2018 Video Game Awards. What's first, John? Best racing game or best immersive sandbox game?
1: I don't think I've played either of those this year, so I am probably not the most qualified.
0: Hmm. Good thing that our podcast is called Unqualified Gamers. So Cody brings
1: that up because we are currently recording during the um, 2018, during Video, the, Game the 2018 Awards. Video Game Awards. It's weird. We have a similar number of viewers right now. Um, I don't know how that's possible, but yeah, it's it's almost split 50-50 here between the two of us. Yeah. So if we can manage to go longer than this show, which I believe is a three-hour show... Um, We should be able to kind of, I think, take, I think we should be able to siphon off uh, most of those viewers by the end.
0: Yeah, so tonight is, so the night of this recording, before we'll get into actual video game, our favorite video games, shortly. But but for some background, tonight is literally the only night I have free the rest of 2018. So told John we had a podcast tonight. I had no idea the video game awards were going to be also occurring tonight, nor that they existed in fact, I was completely unaware of the video game awards.
1: I This is This is actually the 5th year that the video games awards have been going on.
0: Yeah. And it they've only they've been up.
1: getting bigger. They've been getting bigger year to year. So, it's actually kind of surprising you haven't heard of them. Um they have actually had some some they always do world premieres at them now. Um and they've had some significant world premieres in the past. So, uh, there's supposedly going to be a Dragon Age premiere tonight at some point. Which is a fantastic series that I love. So
0: Well, wait till the listener hears what we're gonna premiere on our podcast tonight.
1: You didn't tell me we had a world premiere, but that's very exciting for me. Yeah, yeah so listener, um, as you know, we took a hiatus for a couple of months. So um five yeah, we just dropped, five months. It was we just five dropped months. that we dropped that first episode. In uh, fact, this, you uh, today, took a
0: hiatus for five months. I we dropped that to post first, episodes. We
1: dropped that first episode today, um, and it was awesome. And then we're going to take a hiatus after this episode because Cody is so busy it's... over the next, like, month and a half. So we'll be back again maybe in five months. Who knows? We'll we, see.
0: We will be back in January 2019 with another brand Early new episode January. of Game Life Balance U.S., the United States imperialist, capitalist, economist edition of the Game Life Balance brand owned and operated by Game Life Balance Australia and their intern, Chad, who I heard sadly died horribly in some kind of freak accident involving AC and a katana. I don't know the full story. I'm just relaying information to you.
1: To be fair, his name was Chad. Also true. Yeah, Yeah,
0: that's true. Well, we are going to talk about our favorite games of 2018 because, one, we still haven't played any SNES Classic games, which we'll resume doing next year. Yep. And two, um, all we talked about was life stuff last time, and uh, yeah, I'm sick and of be- that.
1: And before we continue, yeah, because we are—I mean, at our heart, we are a video game podcast. We love video games. It's we're just, a
0: lifestyle you, you podcast, to, I thought.
1: Well, we're a lifestyle podcast that talks. You know, like our main our main topic of interest is video games in terms of like the hobby that we that we participate in. Um, and so uh, I, I will say though, I want to just preface this all, this whole conversation we're about to have by saying. When we say the best games of 2018 per un, per Game Life Balance, what we actually what we actually mean are the best games that we played in 2018. There's an important caveat because very frequently Cody and I will play games from many years ago <laughs> because we are not maybe as up to date with the most current games. So it is important to note that that it is it is. The, the games that we played this year, not necessarily games that released this year.
0: Yeah, but it's also important to note because a lot of these games, let's say they came out a few years ago. One, it tells you they're still fun and they still hold up, yep. right? Because like gameplay evolves over time and you might see a game and think, oh, well, that game got a lot of hype in 2015, but is it still any good? And it's validating if we have it on the top list to, to say, hey, yeah, it was really good this year. So like, don't feel like you missed the boat. And not only can you still play it, but you can probably get it for a lot cheaper than it was when it first came out. So there's some advantages to the way that we do this. And that's most of
1: the time why we're talking about these games is because a lot of times we've picked them up on some sort of sale.
0: Also that. And I will also preface my list by saying that the the number one favorite game on my list um, is being released in about three hours and 38 minutes and will be downloaded to my Nintendo Switch and... I will be playing Smash Brothers Ultimate nonstop for the rest of the year. However, did you just
1: give it? Did you just give it away? (laughs) I think you just gave it away.
0: I I did seriously consider trying to move something in my schedule to record next week just to have Smash Brothers Ultimate on the list. But I mean, look,
1: it's going to be the best game ever made. It'll (laughs) be the best game ever made. Everybody knows that.
0: I mean, I'm so upset that I don't have more free time to play it immediately tomorrow or tonight at midnight. But that's neither here nor there. Um so we we each picked 3 top games are these in any particular order did you order yours I
1: did not but I can very quickly so You don't need,
0: I didn't order mine either Yeah like at all Yeah
1: I mean we have a, like we I have a list of games that I that I really enjoyed that I played this year and I had played many 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 more games than this um but these are the ones that kind of came to mind when I was thinking what were the games that I liked the most right when I See, played, when I was talking about games this year
0: I hadn't um played a lot of games in fact when I made my list I came up with 8 games and they may be the only eight games I played this year.
1: Well that's perfect. Those are the top eight games
0: you played. I'm only giving you the top three.
1: Okay. So we're starting with number three. Are we you
0: what, you Am want I just, gonna start with number three? You well can no, because I
1: the- I pitched it to you. That was like my that was the that was the pitch for you to take it from me. Is that what they call it in radio? Pitching and then catching? I'm trying to say I pitched to you, the catcher who caught that, who was then supposed to roll, run with it, roll with it, ride yeah. with it.
0: No, none, none of those are real things. Um, uh, so I'm going to tell you my runner-up, because we always have to have a runner-up. Sure, so this three. is number
1: four. This is number four it, is no, what you're saying. No, it's the runner-up. Okay.
0: It's not necessarily number four, but it is the runner-up. Okay. All right, my runner-up is Final Fantasy XIV Stormblood. Now, this is a weird thing to say but I should talk about this a little bit. Final Fantasy XIV is the first massively multiplayer online role-playing game I've played, the first MMORPG. I've talked about it on a zillion episodes. We know this. I love it. But hey, it's been a journey for me because, like, John, you've told me that these MMOs, the game doesn't really start until you've completed the game, right? Mm-hmm. And what that means is you play in apparently some MMOs, including 14. You play the storyline... You, you get your characters up some levels, you you know, clear main quests and kind of know the ropes, and then you do some dungeons, then you do some advanced dungeon raids, and then you get to the, like, really difficult content. And the whole structure of an MMO is get to the end game content, is what that is. Nothing is unlockable until you've finished everything else. and Which then, is
1: usually at the max, I mean, it's that, that's at the max level, yeah. is when you reach max level.
0: Yeah, the max available level, and then you take these challenge battles or dungeons or whatever and you play them over and over and over again you grind them because at the end you get a certain type of currency or special items that randomly drop and you can use that to get really powerful gear and gear is like the big the big thing that you go for in these games right like that i mean
1: what, what, what else would you i mean you're outfitting a character what else would you be looking for you know i mean that's what you're looking for
0: right so like that's literally what mmos are i had never yeah. gotten an end game because uh, even even after like three years of playing the game, I never reached max level. And over the last few months since we've been podcasting, I now have max level with not one, but two characters. And I'm kind of close to a third character max level. So now I'm experiencing the end game. And um, I want to talk about that experience briefly because I love the storyline of Final Fantasy XIV. Like all Final Fantasy games, it's, it has-
1: It's excellent.
0: It's a really good story, right? And have you played any of Heavensward or- Yeah, no? I
1: played a lot of Heavensward.
0: Okay, awesome. So, Heaven's Ward, I think, was the pinnacle of the story. I think that that's the the best part.
1: If it if it is it Heaven's Ward or Heaven's Word, like looking Heaven's Word.
0: It's it's look it, well, it's Heaven's Ward. W- so, like a, a place. Because a ward is a place, so it's Heaven's Ward. You know, I don't. Kn- I well, think it's
1: Heaven's Word. I think it's like you're looking Heaven's Ward because it's all about dragons.
0: That's what I thought. Well, I think it's a play on words because the Heaven's Ward is also the name of a knight contingent.
1: The heavens' sword, the weapon you use to slay.
0: Nope, there's all not right. that. But that it's the heavens' ward. They ward away the dragons. Anyway, that come I from played.
1: I played a good. I think I got up to like level sixty-eight. Was that fifty-eight? Fifty-eight, probably in Heaven's Ward.
0: 60s max level in Heaven's Ward. So I,
1: I got up to level fifty-eight.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, all right. Cool then.
1: I played a good amount of it.
0: So phenomenal story. Really loved it. It Storm, was really good. Stormblood does not have nearly as good a story. It's a bit more of a kind of straight thing. It's still uh, excellent, though. Like, every time I play this game, like, I don't know, the, the bar keeps getting so high. You know, I'll say something like, "Heaven's World had a really fantastic story. And then I think about any side quest or any piece of dialogue or, or any fetch quest or basically anything I do in this game, it's just written so well. But it's just so great. But now that I'm at the end game, it's an interesting place to be because I don't know that I love MMO end game content. But I, but I also know that I'm doing it wrong. So let me explain that. Um, I'm at the end game and I can play the max level dungeons. That's great. And then there's some battles. Let's say you fight Omega Escape, or like Kafka is a, is a boss that you fight in this from Final Fantasy VI. Well, I can fight him over and over again. And these are like reasonably difficult things that are max level. But then there is an extreme version, like an extreme version of these battles and a savage tier. And... So there's,
1: like, multiple, multiple versions of these battles.
0: There are. There are. So if I go on YouTube and I watch a... Like, to give you an idea if you've never played these games, the difficulty comes in, like, learning the patterns of the bosses so that you don't get killed in one hit, and you can continually do damage while running around and dodging things, anticipating what the boss will do next... Um, some things require you to communicate with partners. Like if you're tethered to another person, you can you either are supposed to run next to each other or far apart, but the game doesn't just like spell this out for you. You have to know, oh, okay, I'm tethered to somebody, now I have to run over to them or I have to run away from them. And if you don't know the mechanics, they're mechanics, mm-hmm. then uh, you die, other people die, it's really bad. Now, most boss battles basically in this game, I can watch a YouTube video that's three to four minutes long and get an outline of basically all of, the, all of the mechanics. That's pretty pretty reasonable. They and they talk pretty fast. There's a handful you got to learn. Some of them are just run out of the way; they're easy. Some are complicated. If I play a savage one, the YouTube tutorial videos for the savage raids are 15 minutes long. So you are learning four to five times the amount of mechanics.
1: Because because and th- th- it's all mechanics, right? It's that's that's an entire 15 minutes of different mechanics is that right? Yes. That's it, pretty significant. It's
0: just talking through it really fast. Now, yeah. I do think it would be fun to practice with a, with a group and try to learn the mechanics and fight one of these savage things, and I have a feeling that the sense of accomplishment after beating a savage enemy and with all the things that go into it, knowing the mechanics, doing your rotation, you know, using your abilities in the right order so they do the max amount of damage and and this the sensation would feel phenomenal. Is this right? You've done this in WoW, right?
1: So in WoW, we we raided. Um I raided pretty heavily in the second and third expansions. And when we were pushing content, when you finally got the boss down, it was a big moment it felt awesome but that existed in a different time and place in 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 the world of video games and i don't think that there's just any parallels to it anymore because of how fractured the social landscape of gaming has become because in wow like there weren't a lot of other games that were allowing people to group up for any reason right and like connect over multiple computers in, in the same place. But now there's tons of games that do that. So um, there just wasn't a lot of... There weren't a lot of places to go to get that kind of experience. So there were a lot more people just playing WoW. Um, and so when you had... You'd have to get 25 people together, but it was really easy to do that in the second and third expansions of WoW because it was the only place to go for that kind of experience. Okay. So, yeah, Final Fantasy 14 isn't quite the same. A lot of times groups are like pickup groups now where you just queue up for a dungeon and you get put with 10 other random people, right? And then you, you go in there. And there's, like, I raided with the same people for two and a half years. And, like, I was the raid leader for a long time. Um, and I really got to know those people. I mean, we, we met up with one a couple of times, you know, from, from our WoW guild. I mean, it was, a, it was a different experience. It was a different thing than what MMOs are now.
0: Yeah. Interesting. All right, yeah. I, just, I just wanted to kind of mention my experience uh, and say I feel like I'm kind of between two spots the single player experience is really, really fun and really not that particularly challenging. It's a couple of challenging fights, but you know, nothing major. And then there's the really savage stuff where you, you have you basically have to find a good smart party that knows what they're doing and yep. kind of know what you're doing, and prove that you know what you're doing so you don't get booted right away. And it's like a commitment. Like I would have to commit like a day probably to just grinding for at least a few hours on a yep. Saturday or something. So um my schedule does not allow for that now, nor do I know that it necessarily will. So I'm in like a very weird place to to be playing an MMO right now. Um, they just announced Shadowbringers, the new expansion for next summer. I'm really looking forward to that. But like I've, I've kind of stepped back on my, my Final Fantasy XIV playtime um, quite a bit. And uh, John, I'll say on record, you were right that uh, when you said when I started playing this game, you will not be able to do everything in this game. You were correct. There's no way.
1: Yeah, I. That's pretty much every MMO I think in my experience.
0: Yeah, but that said, 14 is still a phenomenal Final Fantasy game. If you've not played it, I don't care if you hate MMOs or you think you hate MMOs. It's worth playing. It's totally incredible. We all have different experiences. Maybe you'll hate the single player stuff. You just want to blaze through and get to the get to the savage stuff. I don't know.
1: So do I have to have a runner up? Yeah. I would say then, looking at my list, my runner up would let's see. I'm like, but I'm between two. But you can have
0: would- two runners up, John.
1: I would probably say Darkest Dungeon, which I started playing again. And I've talked about that game. The game came out like four or five years ago. And I have definitely talked about it on this podcast before, but I got really into it again this year. And I'm playing through another kind of adventure of it. And I think the latest DLC just kind of came out a couple of months ago. And I'm pretty sure they're done expanding it. But um, I started playing that again. And I'm just... I am in love with that game. And it's a run-based game, which I'm just... I'm totally into right now. Um, I think that that is a very... There are a lot of games coming out that are run based. Um, when you mean run based,
0: do you mean like you? I mean like tenor. you.
1: I mean like you play until you die, and then when you die, you you kind of start over. Except in in Darkest Dungeon, it's you you have a town that you're building up, and that's persistent as you go on an adventure, kind of collect stuff, come back and build up the town. Um, but the concession is is it's it's kind of Lovecraftian in terms of the what you're what you're fighting. You you've got a bunch of really um, surly characters that are coming to help you kind of excavate your family's ruins, which were built on top of this portal to some sort of eldritch dimension. Um, and so, like, you've got um, you know brigands and and um, just like they're they're terrible people that are coming in that you're recruiting. And there's an insanity mechanic where they're getting stressed out more and more, and they can become insane. Um, it's just it's really good. Um and you go into the dungeon and you kind of that's really loud, that's really whatever that is is that was really really loud What um,
0: was really loud, I wasn't doing what, anything,
1: whatever that was um so uh you like go in, yeah, I don't know, I heard maybe it just maybe it maybe was a problem with my earphones anyway um you uh like you go in and there's a couple of different types of dungeons you can go in there's you know short medium, and long uh kind of kind of dungeons that you can go through and you push your party as far into it basically as you can go on each run if you can complete the run you get a you get bonuses and you come back and you use the thing the things that you acquire to then build up your town be able to further expand your characters etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's just like you're building up this giant platoon of people that you then go in in parties of four Um, and each character has like seven different abilities that they can have four equipped at at a time and they all have each individual each individual ability has different levels to it um they've all got equipment that they use and so like there's just there's in and there's 18 character classes so there's just this incredible amount of depth in terms of party creation that you can that you can do um which really makes it i mean it's like I was kind of doing some some light reading on party composition, and it it's just it's it's like mind breaking the different combinations and compositions of parties that you can do. So um, I'm totally back into that game again. Um, And then the other runner up would be Civ Six, which I didn't get to play as much of as I as I would have liked. I will say I liked Civ Five a whole lot, and Civ Six was different enough that I didn't fall in love with it right away. But I played probably three games of it. And by the third game, I really I really started to kind of fall into the same pattern that I had with previous Civ games. Um, and I really kind of liked the, ex- the the stuff that they're pushing and doing in this expansion. But it feels just like Civ V that it's not going to really be complete until an expansion or two comes out. Because Civ V, like when that game first came out, it didn't have religion in it. And that was a huge a huge part of that game that came with either this, the first or second expansion. And once that came in there, um, I thought that that really expanded things in that game and made that game. Awesome. You so, it's one
0: expansion for six, right?
1: There's one expansion now, and I have that one, but there's a second one coming out in February that deals with like climate change. Um, it's called, I think it's called rising tides. And I, I, have a feeling that once they expand it with that, once that expansion comes out, it's going to be, it's going to be as good as Civ five was for me.
0: I have on my Amazon wish list for this year Civilization Six for Nintendo Switch.
1: Oh, that's right! It did come out for Switch, didn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and, and I bet it
1: would be a good. I bet it would be a good Switch game too.
0: Of course, yeah. With the touchscreen and everything, bringing yeah. it everywhere. Oh my god! Like I actually brought my laptop on um, our honeymoon just because I wanted to play Civilization. Nope, I brought it on another trip, like a month before. Anyway, but you did months,
1: it to play Civ Six.
0: I brought yeah, I brought my laptop just to play Civ Six because yeah, why not?
1: Yeah, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. Um, also, uh, pro tip, Civ 6, perfect game to exercise. Because you can pick, like, a certain number of turns, like, take four turns, and then do, like, ten push-ups before you take your next turn. Huh. It's like the way, It's just a way that I, like, that I, you know, because it's turn-based. Yeah. You can't really do that. The only other game that I, I would see you'd be able to do that with is matchmaking, uh, any online matchmaking. So, while you're waiting for a match, do, like, push-ups or a plank or something until the next match starts. Weird. But yeah, you can do intervals during Civ sex. So like that's, that's kind of my like get off my butt, like have a relaxing day, but also like get a little bit of movement in kind of thing. Sure. Yeah, I gotcha. Pro tip.
1: Civ is great. I love Civ. Um, so those
0: would, be, those would be my two runners up. Awesome. All right. Well, um, speaking of games that I brought my laptop to play, on this same trip, I had downloaded a few different games and I, you know, I never played Undertale. Did you play Undertale?
1: Oh, I did. I loved Undertale so much
0: what a phenomenal game i've only played about i've only played about two hours of it okay but it's on my top list so this will be my yeah this is my top three on this trip i played undertale on my laptop when i got decided i didn't feel like playing civ and it's just an awesome game oh it's
1: it's so good And, and what do you think of do you think it's do you find it funny
0: it's hilarious yeah the writing is brilliant. Um, long story short, it's a, a role-playing game where you play a character that falls into like a monster world, basically, and um, you find your way out. But you don't battle in a traditional sense. You can battle, but each battle, you have abilities that are tailored to that battle. So let's say you get attacked by a stack of pancakes or something. You might be able to like pour syrup on it or I don't know, like take a blueberry out of it. I just made that up. I can't remember any specific examples, but you do these random tasks during battle that change with every battle, with every enemy you face, and that placates the opponent. And then you can kind of like mercy them and, and just like let them live and everything's fine. Or you can actually attack and kill, but there's two different like kind of paths you can take to, to approaching the battles in the game. But the rating is, is fantastic. The music is really good. The only reason I even played it is because I would go online and every time I went on Overclocked Remix, there's like 15 new Undertale music remixes.
1: The Undertale fandom is incredibly, uh, they, they are very active. Um, and actually, the guy that made Undertale just came out with a teaser for his next game, possibly his next game called Delta Rune, which is just an anagram of Undertale. <laughs> so that, like, that just came out and it looks like it's in a very similar style to Undertale as well. So they kind of, that's ramped back up again uh, because that just came out a couple of weeks ago.
0: Yeah, there's some kind of tie-in with Undertale. Yep. And they're encouraging people to, like, create sound, like, remixes online. I've seen DJ Cutman tweeting about it a lot. And
1: I wonder if there's some sort of, like, alternate reality game going on with that right now. That could could be, you know?
0: Yeah. So next on my list is to beat Undertale. Um, I don't have a lot to say about it because, again, I, I have not even come close to beat. How long of a game is it? Do you know?
1: I think it's about six hours. It gets wild. It gets so wild. And the characters are so strong. Like the individual characters in that game are just fantastic. They really are.
0: Awesome. I will endeavor to play that over winter break. But yeah, one of my top three games, Undertale.
1: So you didn't order your games. We're just like saying these. You're saying these like your top three is what you're saying. That's kind of where you're at.
0: Are you going to order yours?
1: I could. So I very easily could order my top three.
0: Well, mine's kind of auto ordered, so yeah, I'll just I'll say that's my that was number three.
1: That was number three. Okay, so uh, number three for me is Endless Space two, which Endless Space is another game I've talked about in this show many many years ago. It is a four X strategy game. Only it is set in space. It is set in the endless universe, um, which is a uh, a universe that they've that there's been a couple of games that have come out and there's been Endless Space. There's been Endless Legend, which is another 4X game. There's been Dungeon of the Endless, which is a um, it's kind of like a roguelike dungeon crawler game. So a couple of games have come out um, in this world. And the Endless Space is, like I said, it's a 4X space game, but it is... Space is really hard to make a 4X game in. It feels like it should be perfect. For, for a 4X game. But in my experience in previous games that I've played, it's very easy for them to devolve into into kind of like a war simulator, right? And I feel like Endless so Space Civilization. Does, so I feel like Endless Space does a really good job of allowing, not victory conditions, but allowing progress to be made in a variety of different areas, like what you would expect from a Civilization-type game. Only it's set in space, which is my favorite setting for a game. My favorite setting for any game, I'm like a sci-fi fan. I love deep space exploration, unknown. I don't, I don't, I like Star Trek. I don't, like, I, I love Star Wars and I love Star Trek, but the Star Trek style of space exploration is what I am drawn to more than the Star Wars, which is very bombastic, um, you know, very, very loud, very, very in your face, full of battle right? And Star Trek is not about that at all. Like Next Generation Star Trek is far more about diplomacy, alliance, that kind of thing. And Endless Space 2 captures that amazingly uh, when you're talking about doing like a 4X game. So I've been playing it with um, a buddy of ours and it's, it is just, it's so good. It's so, so good.
0: Gee, thanks for the invite, John.
1: You don't have the game. You can't play it.
0: What also, if I got the game?
1: Also, you never play games at the same time I do. Ever. When do
0: you play games?
1: Either at four in the morning or or at like seven thirty to ten o'clock at night. Which is sometimes, when you're getting home. That's when you're getting home.
0: Sometimes I'm still awake at four in the morning.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm right and you know it.
1: The other cool thing about it is it's got so it just like any Forex game, it does have a you know, it's got a, a battle system, it's got a a war system and it does have a war victory in it but the way the ships work are you unlock modules for your ships as well as blueprints and there's like five to six different blueprints per race and then each ship uh blueprint has like you know anywhere from five to maybe 15 module slots on it and then you've got 50 modules that you can probably unlock over the course of the game through different technologies. So the com- And then you can just slot those modules in on the ship to make your ships a- kind of any way you want, right? And then different races has- have specific race, uh, race-specific modules as well. So, like, the types of ships that you can make and the number of different combinations of ships that you can make in order to kind of tailor, you can tailor make them to maybe the races that you're near, um the size of the galaxy, et cetera it's just it's really cool. it is really cool it is it is like what you th- it's what you want i feel like it 's what you want out of a out of a space sim out of a space exploration game. It really captures that feeling of exploring space
0: Have you ever played stellaris
1: i haven't but i do i do own it
0: that captures the feeling of being in space, piloting a starship and running a space government without having been trained on how to do any of those things with it being exactly as complicated as doing either of those things in real life
1: so very accessible maybe i'll try that one next
0: stellaris is impossible i I guess i'll have to try it then i'll have to try it i got i got it for rob from game i Balance australia for a gift at some point and he's into that stuff Thank God! I am so glad he's enjoying it because I got it to play, and someone's like, "Oh, it's like Civilization in space." No, no, no. I know the rules to Civilization. I know how that works and I know maybe, how to play the game with a maybe, controller.
1: Maybe that's why Endless Space Two and Endless Space Two takes everything in Endless Space. It's almost it has almost all of the exact same mechanics, and just builds on them, right in a in a better way. Um, so it's just a better version of the original game. Um, and maybe that's why I like it more than maybe... Uh, I haven't really had a desire to explore Stellaris because it feels a lot like Civ in space. It's got Stellaris a very, is actually nothing like Civ in space. No, no, I'm seeing Endless space. Feels endless. like Civ in space. And I oh. love and I love Civ. So that's probably why I'm drawn to Endless space. Um, it's just... It's in... It is in the the area that I most like to play in which is sci-fi space exploration
0: the zeitgeist
1: sure that's not the right right use of that
0: word it is it is is. you're right you're right all right
1: so yeah that's that's my number three
0: do you want to do your number two or do you want me to do my two in a row
1: that doesn't feel doesn't feel fair
0: well you already did two runner-ups in a row
1: well i did two runner-ups because i couldn't decide between the two of those games i think it's your turn to give us your
0: number two number two wouldn't it be funny... Number two. If the listener is taking a number two while listening to you say number two over that and what, over...
1: That seems like a bad... I don't know. I don't, I've never listened to a podcast in the bathroom. Is that a good place for it?
0: Oh, uh, yeah. What?
1: Have, are you serious? I'm serious, yeah.
0: What? Who doesn't... Li- to- what? Uh, what? Uh, yeah. I mean, we all bring our
1: phones in the bathroom and, like, it poop all over our phones, right? But, no, I don't... Like, because if you're in a public... If you're in like a public restroom, you can't be listening to. What are you doing? Are you
0: listening Who's to music? Public restroom or a private restroom? If I am if like taking a shower, I will put on my podcast. If and you're I'll pooping
1: just like, in the shower, you're gonna. When put I, on the, yeah,
0: when I'm pooping in the shower, I'm taking a hot dump in my <laughs> bathtub and covering myself and it with water. That is when I listen mostly to this show. Actually, that's how that works. All right, there you go. Fine, editing. my number two. Uh starts with the number two. It's called 20XX. You ever heard of it? I'll just
1: start with the number two. That's right. I've wanted you to tell me about this game for months.
0: I've wanted to talk about it for months, actually. So 20XX, man, I have so much to say about this game because... Um, just Because
1: Cause it's, a, cause it's a good game. Because well, it's your
0: number two
1: game of the year.
0: There are three games I played this year that heavily borrow from or are inspired by other video games. And they each do so to a varying degree of success. My number one game of the year actually does Which we'll does get it, to. Which we'll get to, has the, does it with the most success. And I think a 20XX is, is a close second. And then the third game is called Time Spinner, which is a game I kickstarted and was very disappointing, excuse me. Um, but I would love to do like a special episode where I kind of like wrap up all three. I just won't have time to do that until 2029. So there you are. But 20XX is a roguelike. So every time you play, the stages are built differently. The stages are procedurally built or generated or whatever. But it's a 2D platformer in the style of Mega Man X. And it borrows a lot of elements from Mega Man X. You can jump on walls and climb up walls that way. You get different weapon power ups. You have a dash. Um, Picture a fully powered up X in the original Mega Man X. So you've got your buster you can charge. You've got your dash. All those things, that is what you start as in this game. And it's also co-op multiplayer. And you can do online co-op, which I've never done, and you can also do local co-op. And when Icebag, John, Russian John, depends on, you know, whatever. He's been on the show. Yeah, he's, it's a thing. Um, when Russian John's been on the show, every time he comes over to my place, we play this game. We have not beaten it yet. Um, our friend Blake has beaten it on single player and Mm -hmm. he's not that good at video games. So I'm sure it's easier on single player, but John and I have gotten to the final boss several times, but it's really, really hard. But what's good about the game is, is, I mean, Mega Man X is a fun game series, right? Like who, like the Mega Man X series is phenomenal. And this game is about as tight gameplay wise. It has a lot of things in common. A lot of the enemies are similar but very different designs. They change up the level design. It's a lot of platforming. There's always bottomless pits. You're always navigating in some sky planet area or in like is it a like lava is it factory. like multiple
1: bosses too, like a Mega Man game?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's okay. and I don't I don't know how many. There's probably nine or ten. And you pick up all these power ups along the way. But you can vary your run so dramatically, which is so so cool. Um, for example, when you beat a boss, you can choose one of a few different power ups after. You can choose increase your max health, increase your max special weapon energy, or get that boss's weapon. So you can actually go through the game, and we did this for a long time, without even picking up the boss's weapons. We just wanted better max health. We didn't even use that. Then we discovered that some of the weapons, some of the special weapons are just totally OP, and they'll crush bosses in like a second. And some have shields that generate around you, like a Woodman from Mega Man 2, and some have the shots that split into different places. Almost all the weapons you've probably seen in a Mega Man game in some form. And all the bosses um, are interesting variants. Like, there is basically a chill penguin. I think he's actually called Frostbeak. And his sprites, the the character, is designed like a penguin that has some of the same moves as chill penguin. But it doesn't rip off Mega Man X. It's not like you feel like you're just playing a shoddy remake. It feels like you're playing an expanded idea of what the Mega Man X series should be. And I really like it because it's done so well and it has its own personality and um, it's very challenging. Like there's, there's runs where we have died on the fourth or fifth level and um, it takes probably 30 to 45 minutes for a, a full run depending on when we get destroyed. Um, but it's just really fun. And, and if you die, then the other player has to get to a certain point before you can revive the other player. It's just, it's just a really tight, solid game. With, it's just a lot of fun and there's
1: no uh there's no um advancement in between runs right i mean it's just run starts run ends you don't carry over power in between runs
0: you don't you can purchase some permanent advancements like at the beginning of stage 3 this cat robot appears and will give you a little power up now those are random But, yeah, for the for the most part, you you restart. Um, You also, over time, unlock better. So there are power ups in each level that you can buy at shops for these these nuts that you pick up in the level. And you can you also get these like credits at the end of every run. You can use the credits to buy new items that will randomly that will show randomly up in those shops. Yeah, it's
1: a, it's like a standard roguelike then.
0: Yeah, yeah, very standard roguelike. They also have a daily challenge, a weekly challenge run, sure. a boss run, lots of different modes. They have a couple DLC characters that we've read aren't like that in process, so we didn't get any DLC. But it's just great. It's just a really fun, high-energy game. And like you, I really like, what did you call them? The um,
1: run-based games. Like, they're... They're roguelikes, roguelikes or roguelites or run-based games.
0: Yeah, I like those. And 20XX, I I, I recommend really highly. Like, It's still really fun. I want to keep playing it with John until we freaking beat it. But uh, yeah, it is, it's is, it, the challenge is, is, is real. The challenge is, yeah. it's nice to have that high level of, you know, because a roguelike should, most, I think, the classic roguelike feel is like, you're probably not going to win most of the time.
1: Right. And, you know, I'll be honest, like they, it's the perfect style of game for a parent, because you may get like 30 to 45 minutes of uninterrupted playtime at a time if you're lucky per day, right? Like that's, sometimes I get a little more than that, but that's what I can maybe count on. Um, And so you can do a whole run, you feel like you played a whole game, if you do a full run. And then when a game also and, I get to talk about this a little later. But then when a game also allows you to advance your characters or advance um, like the story in between those runs, well, then you always feel like you're accomplishing something. And that's really nice.
0: Yeah, for sure. So 20XX, check it out. It's on sale on Steam all the time. I still don't even own it. I just use John. John just logs into his Steam account when he comes over and it's it's on my computer. Yeah, you've talked
1: about it before. I really need to try it because it sounds really cool.
0: Yeah, if I ever see you again, we can play a local co-op. Should I'm be fun.
1: Sh- I'm sure we will see each other again next in in a month and a half, in five months when we record again. Um, my number two, number two. Uh, are you taking a number two right now? My number two is Final Fantasy twelve: 12 of Zodiac Age. What? It's so good. Is it's it? it is so good. Is that it? game. Okay, I have talked and. I am an unabashed Final Fantasy fan. You and I both are. We are apologists. We, through through many flaws in that series, we are willing to look past a lot of them to claim that we really like those games. I have no problem saying that I am one of those. I have no problem saying that I'm an apologist for Final Fantasy games. Final Fantasy XII Zodiac Age is, it is, with slight hesitation... Only slight, though, I say it is my favorite Final Fantasy game of all of them. It is tremendous. More it's, than nine? Yes. It is tremendous. It's scope. And keep in mind, I just played all of them again. All of them, but 15. So, and six, which we're eventually going to play, which is a great game, obviously. Um, it's scope. So Final Fantasy 12's scope, and, and they didn't like change anything about the story, but I kind of forgot just how, how big of a game Final Fantasy twelve is. But I forgot how, like, magical that world feels. Like, the story itself is not great. It's mediocre. It is Star Wars. The the story is very much Star Wars. There's an evil empire. You have to go... You're, like, a small, scrappy band of rebels led by... Literally led by, like, the princess of the former empire. And your, your task is to go kill this invading empire, right? Like... It is Star Wars. Um, however, the world, in my experience with all Final Fantasy games, is by far the most like alive-feeling world. It feels the most like a real place than any other Final Fantasy game. It's completely open. You can go from like the city of Rabinaster, where it starts, and you can just walk. You can just walk through deserts, through jungles you can go like as far as you want it feels like a fully connected world and so what that ends up doing is it makes the game just feel massive and like massive and interesting it feels like there's always something um in like every twist and turn of every place that you go and it always feels and it always rewards you in the in zodiac age Um, they changed a couple of things. They didn't change the story at all, but they changed how treasure worked because in the original base game of final fantasy 12 treasure was randomized. It was a weird thing. You would open a treasure at one point in time and it would be one thing. And if you came back at like a different time or if, the, the, the stars aligned correctly, you'd come back, and you might get like a rare piece of equipment. It was, a, it was a really weird system. I don't exactly know what they were going for with it. It didn't work. It it failed. It was not good. They changed that. They completely overhauled that. There's a slight randomness with the system now. However, there are static chests where like hastega hey is a spell that you're going to want for your party that spawns in one chest in one dungeon, and you have to find it there. So you always know what's going to be there when you go, right? When you go there. So um it makes it so that it's much more it's much more reliable in terms of like the the best equipment, the best spells, that type of thing. I um, mean, it makes it easier to plan out your party. The other thing it did was the license board is was a system in the original base game where it was just a big old board and you got points for killing stuff and um you would use those points to unlock the ability to use items They you would, you would buy the license to use items. Well, the board was huge. It was enormous. And if you didn't build your character down like a specific path, you could find yourself not able to use the equipment that you were like getting to in the game and then being underpowered to continue with the game without grinding out stuff. So In the Zodiac Age, they use this job system where eventually at a point in the game, you pick two character classes for each character and the license board is specific to that character class and they can only use a specific, specific types of weapons, specific spell types. Um, And so it focuses them. It focuses your characters and it makes them far more individual. So there's 12 character classes and six characters. Each character gets two classes.
0: So this isn't just a re-release. They, like, overhauled it.
1: Overhauled it completely.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. And it is... It's just... And they did some other smart things. They gave... There's a 2X and a 4X option, which, um, when playing the game, which literally just speeds the game up two times and four times, there's some really, like, big deserts that take a very long time to walk across. You can just speed it up to 2X and just fly across the desert, right? Or 4X. Fly across the desert. Or if you're trying to run through a... If you're trying to run through a... uh like a dungeon that you that you need to go through to to get to another area that you've been through three times right you just you can run through it at 4x which is a great way to get through those areas and they i mean they're using that concession because the game the game came out in what 2006 or 2004 so the game is an old game and it uses some of it uses some old game design and it's a smart way to bypass that um and the other thing I did this time, which I had, not, I had not done the first time that I played that game, was I did as I did everything but like the the hardest boss in the game, um, which has like two hundred health bars or something like that.
0: Yeah, it's got like uh, two million hit points or something. Outrageous! Totally, yeah, or... that's
1: the only thing I didn't do. But even like the the second hardest boss, I beat, um, and I realized just how much content they put in that game. I mean, it is. It is insane. It is insane. By doing all of the hunts, it's insane how much they have put, they, they have in that game. And it yeah, made but... me really appreciate that game even more than I already did.
0: So it's, it sounds awesome. I, I legitimately actually kind of want to play it because of what you just said. But like, who wants to do all the hunts? I mean, really. The hunts
1: are great and they only get better. Um, they start off kind of boring, but then as as you go on and they kind of like add some they kind of, like, modify some of the way that you would normally play the, like play the game. They get more and more interesting. Um, and, like, I was super excited to fight Gilgamesh again because he's hilarious in that game, like he always is. And he, he was awesome. It was fun to do that again. But then going past that and doing some of the more complicated hunts that I hadn't done the first time that I played it, it was just, it was, that game is tremendous. It is tremendous. It is It is my favorite Final Fantasy game.
0: I will say there's a good... F- fair amount of music i didn't like from it but there's some good music in that game too yeah for sure wow and the All voice right.
1: the voice acting is mediocre but the the characters other than your main two characters like the like van who's like the the we'll call him the main protagonist but really there's six protagonists and pinello who is just kind of kind of nothing. they're just they're just kind of vagrants right like they're not interesting but everybody else is interesting
0: ash is interesting
1: Yes, Ash is interesting. Ash is far more interesting than I think you remember.
0: Probably. Balthier is interesting. I'll give you that.
1: I mean, he's very, he's roguish. He's funny. He's fun. But he's also a judge's son, right? Like, he's very, he is, I agree with you. He's, he's pretty awesome. They're all awesome, except for really Van and Pinelo.
0: Well, he's the leading man.
1: He is the leading man.
0: Isn't there some generic guard you have in your party too?
1: Bosh? Bosh is not a generic guard.
0: The Stampede,
1: Bosch is the guy with the that has a twin.
0: Oh, Bosch! Yeah, Bosh. yeah. I don't know. like you, Like I said, I agree with your sentiments about the um, horrible storyline. If I go back into I did, I, it, and, I,
1: le- I definitely didn't say it was horrible. I said it was just it was mediocre.
0: It was fine. I think it's horrible. Um, I, look, Star Wars. You knew who Darth Vader was. He was the guy in the the black helmet. I can't. I don't remember a single character from Final Fantasy twelve, other than the the five of the protagonists
1: i mean that's fair like i think like the the story is not that good i agree
0: no no no. but everything you said about the world i mean i do very vividly remember running around the desert and running around a forest where i wasn't supposed to be yet and you know getting killed because you're like fighting way high level stuff and there there, there is a definitely level of immersion like i'm you know i don't want to crap on the game too much um from what you said about the changes they made i mean another frustrating thing was like you could you um In past Final Fantasy games, you would have, let's say, six to eight being cast characters. You could have three in a party at a time, maybe four. And at some point during the game, you'd be forced to use certain characters. That does not happen one single time in Final Fantasy XII. You can literally use the same three characters the entire game and never have to swap them out, which is fine, but I didn't know that. And I found that very annoying when I got to the end of the game and I had been swapping in and out characters to like level them up. Yeah. And I'm like, why did I do that? it's a complete, like you literally just pick three and because they're not unique in any way. They're completely interchangeable, right? Other than like maybe the limit well, break. in the,
1: in the original version
0: of the game, right? The original version. So it sounds like what you're saying, from what you're saying, they fixed the like two gameplay things that really bothered me. And, um, uh, it's just a lot better. So no, I'm, I'm tempted to play it. Did you play it on PS4 or Steam? I played it on Steam how was the music awesome because i worry that about like them re-synthesizing some of the music and it, no, it sounded great all right i'm a i'm a i'm a purist when it comes to final fantasy music
1: no i understand that
0: like i won't play final fantasy 7 on steam because like god no
1: i think they i want to say they orchestrated it in in the remake
0: okay perfect I'm down. I'm sold. Yeah. Great. Cool. Final Fantasy 12 Zodiac Gauge. Check it out. Oh, it's so good. And wasn't it on sale for like $4 the other day?
1: No. I think the lowest it's been is 20
0: No, you retweeted something and it was like, this is a ridiculous price. And it was super low. It was I think single that was, digits.
1: That might have been for... Maybe it was. I don't know. Maybe it was. I would check for it on like the winter sale. Do, do it. Look at the Christmas sale this year um, on Steam and see. It's... Yeah. It's awesome. That game's so cool.
0: good. Awesome. Well, that brings us to. We both had the number two in our number two game. Twenty XX mm-hmm. and Final Fantasy. I 1, took a 2. number
1: two. Took a number two during my number two game. That's right.
0: But you also had Endless Space two in your uh, number three. So in my,
1: in my number two.
0: Yep. Does that mean your number one's going to have a number? No, two, number my number
1: three? two. The, my number two game is going to be next. That's going to be the next thing I talk about.
0: So what's your favorite game of the year? You want me, you just want to, me go?
1: to go? You want me to do it? I can go.
0: we have taken okay. I don't know. Whatever. All
1: right. So we're gonna take. A number one.
0: Who's taking the number one? You're going to take a number one. Okay. The uh, best, most impressive, incredible game I played probably this year is a little game called Axiom Verge.
1: ah! Oh! Oh, it's so good. It's so good.
0: <laughs> it is really good. So remember when I said that certain games borrow elements from other games and some do it better than others and some improve upon them and some don't so much sure to you me, said that
1: axiom, that was early in this episode you said that i was listening to you yeah it's a
0: callback um axiom verge to me is what you get when you take the rough concept of a game into metroidvania if you don't know what a metroidvania is then you shouldn't be listening to us um it's just like castlevania symphony of the night or super metroid um where you move around there's a big map all the areas are connected and you have to figure out what unlocks what at what time and it's great fun um earlier this year on an episode of our show i said is super metroid the perfect game because i think that structurally other than one minor gameplay quirk that you didn't like about the jumping um it may be i think in my mind a perfect game in many ways and i think axiom verge is as close to that as you can possibly get if not if not even better um Like, they're just, there's hardly words. Um, the, the, The story is basically, there's some kind of accident in your lab and you're teleported into this world that doesn't make any sense. And it's very, very organic looking. All of the walls are pulsating. All of the enemies have this, like, biological feel to them like a, yeah
1: you feel like you're you feel like you're in like a massive creature like the world is like a giant creature of some kind
0: yeah some of the textures look like kind of red blood cells swimming around or even like little sperm in jars or whatever and it just has this really like gory feel but not at all that it's hard you're to gonna, even you're, describe
1: you're trying to avoid using the word visceral aren't you but it's visceral, it's, no, no, visceral. I, it's visceral it's visceral
0: yeah, no, I wasn't trying to avoid it. I, was, I couldn't remember it. It's yeah. a very visceral um, yeah, feel, it's, but it, it's, um, the, the ambiance is great. They set you up with a little hook of a story, which is really cool, um, but they don't over the, overdo the dialogue. So a mistake that a lot of side-scrolling games make is overdoing dialogue, because if I'm running left and right trying to get places and kill things, I don't want to stop every 10 feet and have some random dialogue box pop up. But they sprinkle in a handful throughout the game, and it's probably six to eight hours for my first run. Um
1: yeah my my thing is i really like the feeling of isolation that metroidvania sometimes uh, convey like super metroid is is the most isolation right because you literally don't see a single other other friendly face other than those animals that can't really help you but generally they just there's it's so isolating and in axiom verge there's no other humans you find this this race of beings there but they don't like they don't necessarily feel benevolent necessarily like they kind of feel like they're in it for themselves and you kind of they kind of make you feel they kind of made me feel like i was a tool for them
0: right you almost have kind of an uneasy feeling the entire time the entire game yeah i would also equate it with risk of rain which has been two of our favorite game one of our favorite games both of us for a long time um With that feel of isolation, and they do it in an eight bit graphic style which and this is what really is phenomenal to me oh keep in mind they, this
1: was just an aside this was literally one dude that did this entire game, including the music
0: this yeah, was that's insane a single dude um
1: and he has a really interesting story. He made this game because his kid has a chronic illness that he he's like trying to to make money for. And he's, it's very, it's very, he's got a very interesting story.
0: Well, since he's the only person that worked on it, I'm guessing he has a lot of money because I've seen this on a lot of top games lists. Yeah. So I anyway, mean, yeah, you can continue. Um, which is good. I mean, I, you know, I didn't know that part of the story, so, um, I am sorry to hear that, but I, am I would imagine this guy has made a lot of money off this game because it's so good. And I played on the switch. I paid full price, almost full price for the Nintendo switch. Um, I was going on a trip and I asked our friends, which should I get Axiom virtual hollow Knight. Axiom Verge was on sale for like, you know, 30 cents off or something. And I was like, mm, it's on sale. But um, yeah, it's like, I can't even describe fu- fully just the level of immersion. And with this 8-bit graphic style, what he does with it is... You know, in NES games, how sometimes a pixel will be out of play not a pixel, but maybe maybe um, parts of pixels will there's be some out of like place.
1: Graphical, or, there's, there's some like graphical glitching that happens a lot of times in the NES games, right?
0: Yeah, like a know, background like, texture copies itself over something else and it's yeah. not totally smooth. So Axiomverse does that on purpose, but it also incorporates it into the gameplay. So you'll get like a ray that you aim at a bunch of bricks and it, it literally kind of glitches out that part of the game so it changes the textures and you can now pass through walls and it does so in like a glitchy way and it like flashes in and out basically it looks like a broken nintendo game but it's seamlessly executed and it's just it's just i've never i cannot remember the last time i played a game and felt the entire way through this is a work of art this this is a game that you could play and it makes you feel something. It makes you feel a feeling. The music works, the graphics work, the gameplay works. Every element is tied together thematically in a consistent way to convey one type of feeling that, that leaves you a little bit discombobulated and a little uneasy, and at the same time is supremely fun, has a great difficulty curve. It's not too hard. You definitely die sometimes. Um, It just, it is, it is very close. It is a, I give it a 10. I definitely give it a perfect 10. Like I I don't, I don't have any complaints about this game. There was nothing about it that felt unsatisfying except one time I got lost and there was like a texture that I didn't realize you could just walk through. It it was a little annoying. I I looked up an FAQ because we're now old and don't have time to just wander maps over Mm -hmm. and over again. But other than that, if I played through it again, like, oh my God. Um, just the abilities you get, the, the lab coats you get. It's, and nothing about it feels like a ripoff of any Metroid game or any Castlevania game. It's, it's just its own unique thing. And the fact that one guy did it when I got to the credits, I, it blew my mind. So, yeah. The,
1: the crazy part is that you probably didn't see some of the optional weapons that are pretty well hidden. I would imagine you didn't find them unless you, like, looked at an FAQ to find them.
0: I probably found a lot of the weapons. I wandered a lot and ended up getting a ton of... And every time I got a weapon, I'm like, Ugh, it's not where I'm supposed to go. I just kept getting weapons. So I, I there's, b- got a lot of them.
1: There's also this... Um, there's like a... I don't know if they're challenge stages. They're things that I didn't even find. I only read about this after the fact. But they're like these like special out-of-the-way hidden secrets that exist in that game too that you can s- sort of stumble upon. I think you're supposed to like stumble upon at least one of them to know that they're there. And then find the rest of them. I didn't find any of them, but they're like alternate worlds, basically within this world that you kind of glitch into. So it's got this whole other thing too, that
0: that is super I never cool.
1: I never got to see. Yeah, it's a that game is awesome. And to to be honest, one of the things that I liked the most about it was the music. And you didn't mention that, but the music of that game is it is it is eerie and a little spooky, um, and like uh, really eclectic. In these, really, in these really weird ways, it's kind of like, it's kind of like um, dirty. It feels dirty. Uh, it's really, I just, I, uh, that music, I've listened to that soundtrack before by itself. Yeah. I mean, and I don't do that a lot with games anymore, but I have definitely put on the Axiom Verge soundtrack and listen to that thing start to finish because it's got some really, really great music.
0: Yeah. As a side bonus, I'm really excited for Games Done Quick now, because they often have a run for Axiom Verge, and the developer had speedrunners in mind. There's an entire mode on the title screen called speedrun mode, and it keeps a clock and keeps a score and everything, and it's specifically designed to kind of, like, help speedrunners track their progress when they're speedrunning the game. And uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing more of that. But but like I said, I, I, I briefly mentioned the music, because everything ties together. Like I said, the music, the graphics, the gameplay, it, it all is just so, like, it's so right. Everything about it fits the right way. Um, it, is, it is one of the most impressive games I have ever played. Uh, and I um, cannot recommend it highly enough. So Axiom Verge. And it's it's on Switch. It's on Steam. It's, not, it's on, on everything. It's on everything, yeah. It's
1: on everything but iOS, probably.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there was one part... There, there's a, a like a decoder you get in your menu screen. And you can put in 10 characters. Um, like type them in to, to get power-ups and different things. So I did find one area where... You had to enter the code when some, I you had to decipher a code from a note you find somewhere, and then use it in a room to like make a piece of wall disappear. And I don't remember how I figured out how to do it, but I just did and I tried it, and like this whole chunk of wall disappeared and I ran through this wall and it felt like the coolest thing ever. Um, But the first thing I did with that decoder is I punched in Justin Bailey. Because, of course, I did. Justin yep. Bailey is the code that you would use in the original Metroid right. to have Samus run around in her bathing suit. A Bailey is the word for a bathing suit. Look at that knowledge. Um, and I was like, what's well, a Metroidvania? If Justin Bailey fits. What'll happen? And you literally run around in your lab coat with no pants on. So it just, it oh, just that's, takes away the.
1: That's cool. I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I just That's did. Great. I literally, I just guessed. I'm like, I wonder what'll happen. And then I'm like, boom, yeah. And I couldn't figure out, I was like, what's different? And then I'm like, oh, he's not wearing pants. He's just wearing underwear and has his lab coat on. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man, Axiom Verge. I'm glad you've played it. Uh, it, it crushes. Now I want to hear what your favorite game was.
1: So, my favorite game, I had mentioned it previously in the past couple of months, but um, my favorite game is another run based game that the early access technically came out last year. And I played a hundred hours of early access to this game. And then I stopped playing it for about six months before the the regular game came out. It was, um, uh, it's, it's dead cells, which we have definitely talked about again, another game we've talked about on the show before, but I went dark on it. Right? Like, like I said, I played it for like a hundred hours. Um, and it is a, it's an action platformer that has the tightest controls of any game that I've ever played. Um, and so it's a run-based game, like we've talked about. You are unlocking items that can appear later in the run. You find blueprints for items, and you're collecting cells from fallen enemies. And then in between levels, you can like, contribute cells towards unlocking the blueprints that you have found over the course of your runs. Once you unlock the item, it can occasionally show up in your run right? And then there are three different times during the course of an entire run where you can upgrade the actual like map itself permanently. So there's ways to do like permanent upgrades. And then there's, there's ways to unlock other items that you may see later. And there's like 120 items. But the thing that makes this the best game that I play this year is simply the feel of the game. It could have a, it could have other skins on it so the skin you know that the appearance of the game is this kind of cartoony fake 16-bit look i mean it's kind of grainy a little bit but it's not it's not actually 16-bit right because it's never actually it's never actually that it's just kind of aping on that it harkens back to that um so it's got like that 16-bit look to it um really colorful uh, and it takes place. It takes place in like the dungeon of a castle, and you're you're working your way through the castle, and you are literally like a group of cells, like you are a gross pile of cells that finds their way to a dead body that inhabits this dead body, and that's what you're using to to work through the castle. It's got this Hi. really, it's got this really wacky sense of humor. Like you'll you'll knock on a door, and there'll be somebody behind it that's like, "Hey, get me out of here!" There's there's like water coming in, and you'll knock on the door again. And then they just won't answer, and your guy will just like shrug his shoulders, like, eh. or there'll be another one that's, you know, you'll knock on the door and the guy's like, There's something on my leg, this thing's on my leg, it's getting off my leg, and then you'll just see it scream, you know, ah. and then your main character will just give a big thumbs up, like a dumb, doofy thumbs up. So it's got this really like wacky sense of humor. So it could have had any skin on it, but the feel of the game, of the action platforming, is the reason why this game is number one. Because I have never played a game where. So I took a bunch of time off, like I said. I got pretty good at the game by the time I, got, I had gotten through it last summer. Um, I never completed a run. I never beat the last boss ever in that 100 hours. So I came back to it, and I was very clearly rusty. I was very clearly not as good at the game. And it was very apparent because I started playing it again after taking so much time off. And I couldn't get past, you know, like the, the fourth stage of 10. Right, like I, but once I kind of settled back into it again and got a feeling for the timing of things and the controls, um, you can you can roll you can roll cancel you can cancel out of any movement by either attacking or rolling. So if you don't want to, if you want to try to dodge something, you can do it at any time. You can you can use a shield if you pick up a shield at any time to cancel some to cancel an action. Right. So it gives you complete control over yourself. And so if you make a mistake, like if you get if you die, it is very, it feels very clearly your fault. It never feels like you had gotten cheaped, cheap shot by anything in this game, um, and just because of that feeling of control over it, and because you're constantly unlocking new things, and there are so many items that the build that you end up with is very, very different every time you play the game. So you have four items total that you can have, and. When you have this many combinations of items, you're not, you know, you you find maybe five items each level, so you can never bank on finding your favorite thing. And each of those items has different levels that increase, and depending on the stage that you're at, so by the end of the game, you have to start using the higher level items. You can't just hang on to something and continue to use it, even though it's like your favorite weapon that you use. You have to use the later items that you find, and the more upgraded items that you find. So it just Forces creativity in a way that's really interesting. Just because you have to find the synergies between the the items that are available to you from what's online. Now, when
0: when you finally beat it, did were you like, all right, I'm done with this game? I
1: did beat it for the first time. I haven't gone back to it since. I, I 100% will. I needed a break from it at the time because I had played only that game for like 30 straight hours of gaming when I finally beat it because I was reaching the last boss consistently. That's also not how you know... They, like you're getting better at the game is because I couldn't get to like the second boss when I picked it back up again, but I was reaching the last boss on almost every single run by the time I finally beat it. That's so that's
0: awesome. What's the gameplay like?
1: It is, it is a, it feel, I mean, it, it, it looks like a Metroidvania, right? So it, like, it, it had some levels have verticality, some levels have are just horizontal, very horizontal. Um, there are monsters that pop up that you can usually, you're either going to have melee weapons or ranged weapons, you're going to have tools on your R&L triggers that, that you use, they're like special powers that you find, um, and you just are killing things. And you're moving through the level to try to find the end of the level. The end of, And there's multiple exits, so there's multiple full paths to the game. It's kind like of keep a- it fresh.
0: Would you compare it to Rogue Legacy, but instead of finding new areas, you just find exits? It,
1: so it is, except that there aren't there aren't really permanent upgrades. Rogue Legacy was you'd do a run and you'd come back and spend all your money, and your air would be stronger the next time that you ran it. Right over and over and over again, you would do that. You are not. You start off at square one in this game. Your entire build at the end of the game is based on what items you find and what upgrades you take, because there's these scrolls that upgrade your various abilities. You've got you've got three different so you've got three different abilities. You've got basically like strength, cunning, and 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 like vitality. And each of the items has one of those attributes. And so if you level up that portion of your of your character, it levels up the damage and effectiveness of any of the weapons and items that you find in that category, and then some weapons have two of those three categories. So depending on what you level up when you find these scrolls that level you up, and what items you find, determines at the end of the game what kind of build you have. Got it. So you may have cool. a, you may have a strength run one game. I think I actually I had pretty much always run with a with a tactics. That's where I found my most success. Um, but I ended up finding these really good strength based weapons on the run that I won, and so and I generally was not playing strength ever when I played through it. So, but that was just, that just happens to be what the best weapons that I found. And that happens to be how I won. Finally, finally beat that game.
0: Are there multiplayer options? No multiplayer
1: options. There is a streamer option that they added, which is pretty interesting where the streamer takes on the role of like a helper and determines when to, when items get used on you. It's, it's, it's interesting. For what I for what I hear, it's actually really well done. Um, but yeah. So like a Mario
0: Kart double dash where one person steers and the other person uses the items.
1: A little bit, yeah. Except the only item I think they can use is the health potion, so they can mm-hmm. choose to heal you, or choose to not heal you. You you lose the ability to do that yourself. That's kind of cool. Yeah, but no, no like no like multiplayer part of that game. They do have daily runs that they added. Um, they change so. what changed from the early access to the full release of the game was really significant like the game looked completely different when I came back to it monster models were different the way you leveled up your attributes was different because they didn't they didn't even have the three the three set attribute types or the items didn't fit into an attribute type when I first started playing that game so when I came back to it it felt like a totally different game it's really good it's it is excellent is is an excellent game
0: I will add Dead Cells to the list. You should play Dead Cells. Sounds like it's worth it.
1: Everybody should play Dead Cells. It's also on the Switch.
0: All right. Well, that brings us to our number zero game of 2018. Number zero. Our favorite game by far, unilaterally, between me and John, is Smash Brothers Ultimate. Let me tell you about this game. You can play as a plant.
1: I'm really... There was a very missed opportunity there. You should have said it was Final Fantasy Thirteen. Or was it 13 2? It was 13 2, right? You should have said it was, Final uh, you know, it it was, doesn't you matter. should have said it was Final Fantasy thirteen-two.
0: I, yeah, I just saw something on Lightning Returns that made me want to play it again.
1: That was a weird, that was a weird, good game. It uh, that was a, a weird but really good was, game. It was, it was weird but really good. It was such a it didn't, it was like not a Final Fantasy game, but it was, it was super weird. That was a weird,
0: very weird game, <clears throat> tremendously weird. Weird.
1: We always end um, up with yep. Final Fantasy, don't we? Always, we
0: always, always do, always end up with Final Fantasy. Med hey, isn't tech, Noctis
1: is a character in Super Smash with his ultimate?
0: Yeah, probably. When are you g- going to play 15?
1: Um, oh, I have to buy it first. And I feel so unmotivated to buy it because nobody is excited about it. <sighs> Nobody's excited about that game, so it makes me not excited about that game.
0: I could lend you my PlayStation 4 because it was I downloaded it. I was
1: going to say, I, I have a PlayStation 4. You don't need to lend me the... No, you don't need to lend I me do. your PlayStation 4. I can spend the $20 to to buy it when it goes on sale again for Christmas. I just... It's hard to get excited about it because nobody's excited about it.
0: You should be excited. Dude, we've been over this. I played the original release that was unfinished and... Didn't you say it was like a trailer park or something? I don't know. I... I called it Final Fantasy set in a trailer park. I was I was I was not hot on it. Everyone in the Final Fantasy subreddit, although they're all fanboys of course, has insisted oh they patched it up, it's all better now. There's all these different modes and all these things. It I don't know, man. I don't know. You're going to be what you end up playing you it, have to keep in mind it is different significantly than what I
1: It will complete the full playthrough of Final Fantasy games for me when I when I get to it. Yeah. So I should.
0: Aren't you at it? You yeah. just played
1: That's what I'm saying. It'll complete It'll complete the whole thing.
0: All right. Yeah. Well. Um, well, we're 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 going to wrap up in a second. Um, before we do that, uh, I should tell you that you should come. You yeah, you listen. You listener. Listener. You. You should come chat with the Gunna Geek Network podcast hosts and listeners on our new Discord server. I am on this. I'm on it too. John is on it, but I haven't seen you post anything.
1: Wait a minute. But maybe I need to get. Maybe I need to enact updates or
0: whatever. I don't know. There's a channel for every Gunna Geek show, including ours, as well as some general channels for all of your geeky chat needs. Find the server at gunnageek.com slash discord. You may also find a link in our show notes, but I can't guarantee you that. Also... I would like to say on the going Geek Network, there's another show called Game Life Balance Australia, which is in no way related to Game Life Balance US whatsoever. There is no association. I don't know who these people are or where they came from. I look the other way. This week, the boys discuss a game from one of their favorite franchises, Bubble Symphony, because AC just finds games that no one's he ever heard of. No surprises here as AC and Rob speak glowingly about a fun little arcade game about dragons that blow bubbles. What's not to like? I don't know. I mean, is the episode? That, by the isn't way, isn't that
1: Bubble Bobble? That's Bubble Bobble.
0: That's what I thought. The episode, by the way, is called uh, Episode Seventy-Three: Michael Buble Symphony. So there's that. Also, Rob talks a bit about Red Dead Redemption Two, which I have only seen talked about on South Park, and they probably make some hilarious jokes and bring up Scatman John or Jones or whatever his name was. That dead guy they made fun of for a whole episode. Um, And they also probably, uh, I don't know, make fun of Canberra. I'll just assume. I'm actually a few episodes behind for the first time in a very long time. I I was all about GLB Australia until uh, recently. I've been um, too, too, too many. My podcast Diet doesn't feel like a diet. It just feels like I'm always busy and behind everything all the time.
1: I've only subscribed to like four now, four different podcasts, and I can barely keep up with those. So I don't know how you probably keep up with the 13 that you're probably subscribed to. Yeah,
0: no, 3, 6, 9, 12, 15, 18, Jesus. 21, 24, 27, 30, 30 like 37, I'm, uh, 10 of them I don't really listen to. So like probably like 20, 25, 20 to
1: 25-ish. Yeah, there's no way that you listen to all those.
0: No, there's no way. Yeah. No, there's some that I that I barely listen to at all. But uh, anyway, ours is the best. Um, I my I don't listen to ours. Yeah, I just I, I just listen it.
1: to ours over and over again.
0: I know that's fine. So this will be our last podcast of 2018. We will be back in early 2019, and we will be back on the SNES Classic reviews. Um, longtime listeners may remember that John and I both have an SNES Classic. We are playing through all the Super Nintendo games in th- on the thing. At the same time, and reviewing them together, telling you how well they hold up, what nostalgia value they have, whether and why you should play them. And that's been a really fun project. The current game we're supposed to be playing, I believe, is Punch Out. Yeah. Super Punch Out. Yeah. So at the beginning of 2019, Super Punch Out will be the first game that we review. And then we will try to do a bi weekly release of this podcast, depending on my workload and whether we hire more employees to help me with my day job. Uh, maybe we will do it in every three-week release schedule, but I almost guarantee we will uh, have a regular, um, regularly released schedule in 2019.
1: Yeah, I think it... To be honest, I think it might be your fault this time if we don't. I think I'm pretty settled in now. Yeah. Actually, I think it was always your fault. That's how I remember it. Is it? Everybody, what I just want to say... Um, Unless you have something also, else.
0: Also, shout out to American Liberty for watching our live stream. We appreciate you.
1: Yeah. Thanks. also Appreciate your time. Also, to everybody else, thank you for listening to the Game Life Balance US podcast, the American edition of the Game Life Balance podcast. If you had fun, then please tell one friend about our podcast. That is all we ask. You can learn more about Game Life Balance, including our sister sh- show in Australia. It shows me up every time at gamelifebalance.us. Or check out Game Life Balance and lots of other geeky shows on Gunna Geek Network at gunnageek.com. We did it. We wrapped up the year. Who did it? We, I said we did it.
0: And Merry Christmas
1: Thanks for, to you, Merry, listener. Yeah, Merry, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thanks for. We, Merry Christmas. We took listener. it back, everybody. We did it. Congratulations. Have a
0: Merry Christmas and we a Happy t- New Year. We took it back. Celebrate your Merry Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. And have a happy new year, a happy Thanksgiving, but mostly a Merry Christmas and a happy new year. And Christmas. And January. Have a happy January.
1: That's People don't say that.
0: That's, they might. They might. <laughs>